Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is looking at the transfer portal. So there's been a lot of intrigue behind the transfer portal the past couple of years. A lot of big names in, in college basketball have entered their names into the transfer portal and this is the first year where we're actually going to take kind of a deep dive into some of those players that have entered their name in the transfer portal. So Jalen, we are going to break down five players each. So who's your first player? Yeah, for context too, me and Ryan wanted to focus on guys that are still in the transfer portal. Of course, a lot of people put their names in the hat, but there's a couple of players that have already, especially big name players that have all already made commitments to other schools. So we try to focus on guys that are still quote unquote, free agents, so to speak. So with that being the case, one of the first guys that came to mind for me, man, man, let's start with the heavy hitter, man. Let's just get it out the way. Imani Bates putting his name in the transfer portal is one of the most interesting storylines in college basketball, bar none, right? This is a guy who averaged 9.7 points, 3.3 rebounds, 1.3 assists, shot terribly from the floor, both from, uh, from regularly from the floor, 38.6%, 32.9% from the three-point line, less than 70% from the free throw line. Basically, for a guy who was considered as a five-star recruit, played terribly and was relatively a net negative. Things got even worse for him, and me and Ryan discussed this ahead of the NCAA tournament. Things got worse for him from a public perception standpoint when Memphis inadvertently became one of the best teams in the country from a Kim Palm standpoint and from a power ranking standpoint in terms of individual play once Imani Bates went down with injury. So with that being the case, now he's going to be one of the most interesting guys on the market out of the fact that he's a guy who is going to be discussed as a potential lottery pick next season. Maybe, maybe though, right? Because it's still based off potential. So I think the interesting thing about Amani Bates putting his name in the hat is next year is his draft eligibility year. So where he goes is much more influential this next upcoming year than it ever was this year. This year was definitely a test run, but next year is the one that's really going to hit. I want to get your thoughts on Imani Bates in general and in terms of him putting his name in the transfer portal. And then I got a couple of schools that he's apparently heard from, and I want to get your thoughts on that as a follow-up. It just seemed interesting overall because Imani Bates is a great basketball player. We know this already. He was a great basketball player coming out of high school and it was just interesting because there was the the storyline of Penny Hardaway trying to turn him into basically himself, and it wasn't working. I mean, Amani Bates is a six nine small forward, but you know he would, they were trying to make him into a six nine point guard. You know, Amani Bates is a great basketball player, but you have to work with his skill set, and I'm not sure if Memphis was able to do that to the fullest extent, which is why I think him entering the transfer portal is a big deal. Now he's a he's a potential number one overall pick going into next year, and he's definitely keeping his options open. He has a lot of schools that are interested in him. But I talked with Jeffrey last week about the possibility of Amani Bates going to the G League because remember Amani Bates was considering the G League before he committed to Memphis, so he definitely ha- has that option as well. But I think Amani Bates, as a top tier player, can go anywhere with his talents. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of expanding upon that, let's talk about anywhere. These are allegedly places that have reached out to him since him committing to being in the transfer portal. Just a handful, starting with Michigan. Obviously, as a Michigan-born kid, this is an important thing. Ann Arbor is actually very local to where he is from. Arkansas, Georgetown, Seton Hall, Kansas, DePaul, Louisville, Oregon, Illinois, Eastern Michigan, Oklahoma State, Butler and Washington State. Now, again, I have to throw this out by saying that these are places that have allegedly reached out. And of course, another thing to throw out um, in the mix of this and the art this article that I'm getting this from also even spells this out. Reaching out as opposed to showing interest are two totally different things. I'm going to get to another player specifically from Michigan who's getting a lot of interest from that department as well. So Michigan kind of has a little bit of their work cut out for them because they have a pick of the litter, but at the same time, they're only going to be able to attack but so many guys in the transfer portal when factoring in guys who have already committed to them, as well as some of the guys like uh, Caleb Houston 
and Musa Diabate who have not made decisions on whether or not they're going to return back to school. So I don't necessarily want you to like say where you think he should go in that list because that's kind of tough and the framework of that is great. But I'll ask you this question. Do you think just from the fact that this list is low key extensive, do you think based on what you've seen or just based off the interpreted potential of Imani Bates, is it worth it that this many teams are actually headhunting for a guy like this? I understand that he's a guy who's going to be discussed at the top of the draft potentially next season. And of course, that's always a guy that you want to have in your locker room. But based on what we saw this season, he has a long way to go. And a lot of these teams, these are Michigan, Kansas, Louisville, Oregon. These are teams that are definitely more so known for being at a win now, making the NCAA tournament, making noise in the NCAA tournament year in and year out type of squads. The interesting thing about the schools that you've named is that they're all top basketball programs. And I think that's what Imani is thinking. He's thinking, I want to take my talents to a top basketball program in college basketball. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at a a place like Kansas or a place like Michigan, because those are schools that know how to develop good basketball players. I mean, Kansas has had a great reputation of doing that for decades now. Michigan, I mean, they've, they've had guys like Jordan Poole really succeed in the NBA. So it's, it's proven that they can produce good talent. Now, the thing is, are these schools willing to invest their stock in the Monty Bates? I think the answer is yes. I mean, you're getting a top-tier prospect, like I mentioned earlier, potential number one overall pick in the 2023 NBA draft. This is a huge opportunity for your program to say, we got this guy, and he could be a great basketball player in the NBA. He could be a Hall of Fame caliber player in the NBA one day. So it's like it's like a pride thing, Jalen. You know, like when you get somebody that's so good and you see them succeed in the NBA, you can say, we we had that guy on our team. Yeah, I think just to kind of build upon that statement a little bit too is you do wonder sometimes if with the erratic play style of Memphis, right, they were a hyper elite, fly all over the place kind of team that just played crazy up-tempo, turned the ball over a lot, weren't great in the half court, did amazing in transition. And Alex Lomax was their point guard, which says that they they basically don't have elite point guard play, um, at least from a college basketball perspective. Granted, they got a significant upgrade with that. That's something that maybe we'll talk about on a different episode in terms of like guys that have made commitments to new places already. But with the the, the current point guard play that they had that with the with the point guard play that they had this past season one could argue that maybe for what Amani Bates's skill set is that he just wasn't in the right environment and maybe some of these other places I think Arkansas sneaky should be one of those with uh with Musselman that might be a really interesting spot for him from a developmental standpoint especially growing on the defensive end but uh, you know, just just something worth throwing out. I bring up Imani Bates as the very first guy out of the out of the fact that not only is he probably one of the the more interesting names in the portal, but he's definitely going to be one of the most controversial guys in terms of the in terms of the teams that are reaching out to him and maybe the teams that he might be interested in going to. I think you you consider Arkansas as a top program as well. I think right now they have the top recruiting class going into this upcoming basketball season. Uh, with with a lot of the guys that that they have recruited as well, Jordan Walsh being one of them, he was a phenomenal player coming out of high school. And then I would even consider a program like Duke. You know, they have a new coach in John Shire. I think it will be a, a great addition to his first year at Duke to get a top player in Amani Bates, and and maybe his skill set fits better at you know another place like Duke or Arkansas rather than at Memphis. But talking about my first player in the transfer portal, I want to talk about Antoine Davis. He played four years at Detroit Mercy, and in that time, he has been one of the top scorers in the country. He averaged 23.9 points per game this past season, which ranks third in the country. And Jalen, he's done this on a on a consistent level. Looking back at his other seasons with Detroit Mercy, he's ranked third in the country in scoring his freshman and junior year. Um, he ranked fourth in the country in scoring his sophomore year. He does take a lot of shots per game. He's definitely not afraid to shoot the ball. This past season, he attempted 19 shots a game from the field and 10 shots a game 
from three. And now he's narrowed his options down to five schools, including Maryland, Georgetown, Kansas State, BYU. He also has the option to go back to Detroit Mercy as well. I think any of these schools could use his scoring ability. But another interesting thing to point out, Jalen, Antoine Davis is ranked 22nd in terms of in terms of points scored all time. And he could move up to be a top 10 scorer all time next season with any of the schools that he, that he chooses. Yeah, and I mean, of course, the, the scoring output is one of the most beneficial things to Antoine when you talk about his translatability on any other team. He's instantly going to be able to step up as a offensive juggernaut or offensive first or second option for whatever team he he goes to out of the fact that he's already been able to assert himself on that level as a guy who can be an offensive generator. I think the other thing that we have to take in consideration, especially with where his, his schools are narrowed down, and Ryan, this might be where a little bit of the Maryland bias comes in, but I think it might actually help us in this department, is in one of the articles that I read, it says, Davis has trimmed his school choices. It's expected he will now lock in on reviewing name, image, and likeness opportunities at his potential destinations. That being something that being factored in as part of his decision was something apparently his own dad, who is the coach of Detroit Mercy, didn't even wasn't even aware of in terms of the kind of selections that he was looking for. When I say that this might benefit us, I do think I'm just saying, just throwing this out here from a pitch perspective, that we have a handful of local businesses. We have Under Armour in our back pocket. We have uh, the local areas, uh, the local area of benefits um, in this area, and we've seen players. You know, for example, the the Angel Reese and so on and so forth. Yeah, granted, Angel Reese is transferring now, but I'm saying we've seen if you get a top player within this program, they can make headways through this NIL process, and that is starting to dictate a lot of guys' decisions nowadays. I think that'll be a really interesting play, especially if you're talking about commitment potentially from a place like Maryland. It's going to be interesting to see what he does, especially if you talk about how he can contribute to Maryland. Matter of fact, Ryan, as the guy who covered Maryland most of the year, I think this might be a good way to kind of put this into perspective. I'll get into the NIL stuff a little bit deeper in a sec, but okay, let's say, again, Maryland bias thrown out, throwing that out to the public so that they understand where we're coming from ahead of time. If this guy is to come to Maryland, for example, what do you think it is that he provides overall for a team like ours? And I say that specifically out of the fact that we have two guys in particular in the backcourt who are probably going, stepping away in terms of Fats Russell and um, uh, Eric Ayala. And then on top of that, we're a team that kind of needs a direction desperately. And we've talked about this on past podcasts, ranted about it on past podcasts. But I think that in order for us to take the proper steps forward, Things like the transfer portal and our in-state recruiting, and we talked about this so much on the podcast too, the transfer portal specifically with the way it operates now and our in-state recruiting is going to be extremely crucial in terms of putting the building blocks together. So for a guy like this, what do you think he brings to the table for a program like Maryland specifically? Obviously, you have to look at his scoring output. I mean, this is a guy that consistently scores 20 or more points a game. And, and like I said, he's done this through four years at Detroit Mercy. So you get that. This is a guy that can create his own shot. This is a guy that could shoot off the dribble. This is a guy that can hit step back shots with ease almost. And he's he's a guy that has the ability to take over games. And I'm going to say this a lot with a lot of the players that that I choose in this transfer portal episode, but he has that takeover ability. Now, the thing to consider with Maryland is that we've we've pretty much lost our two starting uh, our two leading scorers, Fats Russell and Eric Ayala. Fats Russell has exhausted his years of eligibility, so he will no longer be uh, at Maryland. Uh, Eric Ayala, on the other hand, I also think he has the opportunity to put his name in the NBA draft. I think if Kevin Willard is able to get Antoine Davis, I think this is a huge win for Maryland. I'm interested to see if the scoring will translate, though, from his four years at Detroit Mercy over to Maryland. 
So just something worth throwing out there, of course, because I don't want to ride the Maryland bias too much. It is reported that Kansas State is his is the leader or the lead candidate for where he is looking at so far. Quotes even came out that says Kansas State was the best visit I've ever went on. Still, um, considering the circumstances, one of the other things outside of the NIL deals that he is taking into consideration mostly is his ability to participate in the NCAA tournament. Um, his father even spe speaks on this. He wanted to get to the NCAA tournament so bad. He had a great career here, talking about Detroit Mercy, of course. It's just been a big shock. I'm his dad and, and his coach, so it's just a fine line. He had told me he didn't want to play for anybody but me, but when the NIL, NIL thing arose and popped up, he was like, wow. So, of course, there's a combination of conflicting, conflicting events. NIL obviously factors in the ability to get to the NCAA tournament, which, of course, competing in the Big 12 or the Big 10 is a tall task, but it does give you a higher chance because those conferences do tend to send at least four to five teams to the tourney on a yearly basis. But then there's also the family dynamic aspect, which is also an interesting factor as well, which is why, of course, returning back to Detroit Mercy can't be something that's completely off the table. I think he's going to be one of the most interesting guys in the transfer portal because I think the decision he makes is really going to be indicative of where his values really lie or where he feels is a place that actually embodies all of the things that he needs from an NIL standpoint, a supporting cast standpoint, both on and off the floor, of course, because he's stepping away from his father as, uh, as being a guy that he's around on a on a day-to-day -day basis and still having that ability to be a part of a squad that he believes can make a run to the tourney. So I think he's going to be a really interesting measuring stick for what it's like as, as a guy now in this new NCAA sphere in the transfer portal as a coveted free agent, so to speak, that has to weigh all options in order to choose a school. I think Antoine is going to be one of the most interesting guys in this portal. And once he makes his choice, it's going to tell us a lot about how much NIL does, how much NCAA tournament still has its juice, and so on and so forth. I think that's a great point that you make about weighing your options because you're not only considering your future, but you're considering your family's future. And in the case of Antoine Davis, with his dad being the coach, how does that play into his decision? in terms of either staying at Detroit Mercy or going somewhere else. I think that's going to be a huge storyline to look out for. Jalen, who's your second player that you want to talk about in the transfer portal? So I figure we just kind of go ahead and get to this guy now because I kind of segued into him a little bit by mentioning him in passing, talking about Monty Bates. The next guy that I have is Terrence Shannon Jr. from Texas Tech. And when he put his name in the transfer portal, this was an interesting one because when you talk about guys who are at the tippity top of the list, in the transfer portal, especially remaining. But even when transfer portal initially opened up, Terrence Shannon putting his name in the pot, he easily became, if not the, the top player, he was easily a top three to top five guy in the transfer portal from the minute he put his name in the pot. This is a guy who shot 38% from three the last time we saw him on the floor, missed most of last season with Texas Tech due to, due to injury, and is a guy who I really think can be a really solid contributor on any team that he can that he steps on. We're talking about a guy who two seasons ago, Ryan, I think we might have even brought him up at the time as a guy when we were doing our NBA draft uh, prospect look, uh, reviews and, uh, and overviews, he was a guy whose name came up both as a guy we were kind of interested in where he would fall if he were to enter in the draft and a guy that we were also kind of intrigued by his choosing to step out of the draft. So this is a dude who is instantly going to bring a punch on both sides of the floor, being, having that ingrained Texas Tech monster-style defense, 94 feet ingrained in him after playing with them for the last two seasons. And I say I, that this, this is a guy who I brought up in passing because he is a guy who is getting interest from Michigan. And he is a very interesting guy when you talk about the fact that if Michigan can bring back Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, they already have Hunter Dickinson committed. Uh, committed to coming back and you can bring a guy like Terrence Shannon they have a pretty solid recruiting class I actually think they might have a top 10 recruiting class or higher maybe in the country right now they are in a real position where if you grab Terrence Shannon I hate to say this but if you look if you're Michigan and you're looking at Terrence Shannon or Imani Bates in the transfer portal right now I think you take Terrence Shannon you pack your bags and you head back you head back to Ann Arbor and you figure out 
what it is that we're going to do to be able to be back in the championship picture. Because I think if you grab Terrence Shannon and go about your merry way, you have yourself a top top 25 team. You have yourself a top 10 team in the AP poll starting next year. I think in the preseason, for most of the summer, they will be in most people's preseason top 25 off rip. And I think some teams, some people are already considering that if they just get those initial returners. I think if you grab Terrence Shannon, now we're in a totally different uh, stratosphere in terms of what they can do. But I also want to throw out, he's getting he's getting um, shouts from Kentucky, Illinois. Obviously, Michigan was one of them that I brought up beforehand. And I think that one of the most interesting things is at the end of the day, Ryan, I think no matter what team he goes to, their overall preseason ranking is going to shoot up by at least five. Unless the unless their recruiting class is so significant. Because of course, other teams that are thrown out are Florida State and Georgetown, for example. So I think an interesting thing, and man, let, let's talk about something. If Antoine and Terrence both both link up in Georgetown, that would be nuts. But we're over here making 2K fantasy teams in, in the NCAA. But that's the kind of environment we're in now with the transfer portal. So I'm kind of rambling here, so I'm going to throw it over to you to get your thoughts on Terrence Shannon. But this is this is the guy, man. Imani Bates is a controversial topic, but Terrence Shannon is one of those guys where the minute he lands on a campus for somebody and gets that commitment, that team is instantly in championship contention from the day he steps on the campus. I was shocked to see that he left Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought he was a top player at Texas Tech. I definitely thought Texas Tech had the opportunity to bring everybody back so that they could run they they could run it back essentially in the big 12 i mean they were a surprise team right off the bat jalen and they have they acquired so much talent in the transfer portal that at one point we considered this team as a final four lock and jalen you actually had them defeating duke in your in your ncaa tournament and you had them going to the final four because you had a lot of faith in this team to go go far in the tournament and this team still has that capability and it comes as a shock that Terrence Shannon leaves because he was one of their top players. I mean, he's an energetic guy. He's at, he's very athletic. You know, he can shoot the three. He shot 38% from three, like you mentioned last year, him going to Michigan, I think could be a huge, a huge recruitment win for Juwan Howard, because I think this Michigan team, they need somebody who is athletic, who is is who is as athletic as Terrence Shannon is. They could use another guy that could shoot the three as well as Terrence Shannon can, because one of Michigan's weaknesses last year was shooting the three. They were just not a great outside shooting team. So getting a guy like Terrence Shannon, I think, could be a huge win for them. But for Georgetown, Patrick Ewing landing a guy like Terrence Shannon. I think is also huge coming off of the season that they just had. They only won six games. They went winless in conference play. I think this is the type of this is the type of guy that you can bring to your program and draw some attention to again. Yeah, and I, I here's another thing to kind of throw out in terms of Michigan specifically. They're a team that just for like a lot of the year just didn't play with the kind of edge that we need from a Michigan-led team, especially uh, from uh, from a Michigan team, especially led by Jawan Howard. I think that's the most interesting thing about their team is just the lack of fight that was there, right? It almost seemed like the the array of five-star recruits and all of that stuff that was kind of starting to come to fruition kind of got the better of them. And I think they kind of took that that run that they had the season before and kind of poked their chest out a little bit and got a little happy about it. And it lost that, it took away that edge that they had the season before, and I think especially, Ryan, we talked about this all year during this season. The Big Ten is not one to think you can just mosey yourself through. We were back and forth about who we thought was the best team in the Big Ten for a majority of the year. And I think a bigger thing when it comes to that conference in particular is they're going to send four or five teams to the NCAA tournament. But just because you're Michigan doesn't mean you're going to be one of them. You know what I mean? And granted, okay, they did make the tournament this year, and I do commend them for that, but especially when considering how kind of 
underwhelming their start to the season was. But I think getting a guy like Terrence Shannon, who gets it done on both sides of the floor, has a certain level of edge to him, has a above-the-rim factor, which is always an energy, an energy bunny contribution, right? When you have a guy who's a high flyer, sometimes that, that steal into a dunk, that, that fast break, pass to assist, leading to a big bucket, those kind of things are game changers for teams that lack edge. So he provides all of that with just his overall skill set and mentality, and that's something that I think if it rubs off on guys like a Caleb Houston, like a Musa Diabate, on the perimeter, with those three dudes playing on full tilt, that could be dangerous. Now, of course, we'll go back to the George, we'll go to the Georgetown thing. You get Antoine Davis, and you get and you get Terrence Shannon on the same team. Patrick Ewan is walking around looking like he has one of the best teams in the Big East, bar none. Especially considering Villanova just lost Jay Wright, something that we didn't even get to discuss on the podcast. But it's going to be a significant contributor to the landscape of college basketball, right? So Georgetown is a sleeping giant in this transfer portal because they've got a couple of guys that are showing interest. And if these dudes link up, Georgetown could be, we thought the Big East was crazy this year. Next season could get even more sticky if Georgetown is really in the mix. Could be a potential turnaround from Patrick Ewing's program, especially, like I said, coming off of those six wins from last year. Getting those two guys would be huge to their program. But talking about another guy in the transfer portal, I want to talk about K.J. Williams. K.J. Williams from Murray State last season averaged 18 points a game, 8.4 rebounds, also averaged 1.4 steals a game. He was their leading scorer, constantly present in the paint. He's a big scoring threat, good rebounder, strong interior defender. Another interesting thing with Williams, like I mentioned earlier with a couple other players, K.J. Williams has entered his name into the transfer portal and also in the NBA draft, and he's keeping his options open. However, I think there are a lot of schools that could be interested in in him if he decides to take the college basketball route. You look at LSU, there's history there with Matt McMahon and Justice Hill, his teammate at Murray State. You look at a team like Michigan State, I think that Michigan State could could make an interesting play for K.J. Williams because of the loss of Julius Marble. Julius Marble announced that he is entering the transfer portal, and he's their top big man. So that pretty much leaves Matty Sissoko for Michigan State. So maybe Tom Izzo and Michigan State make a play for K.J. Williams. But K.J. Williams definitely has has a couple of different routes that he can go. And I think that K.J. Williams has that opportunity open, though, to go to LSU. Yeah, and Ryan, I'm glad that you brought up LSU as one of those schools because they're a team that with the firing of Will Wade, they're kind of gutting the roster, not purposely, but a lot of guys are looking elsewhere. A lot of guys have already stepped away. There's actually a guy who I'm going to talk about today who is at the top of that list of interesting guys who's stepping away from LSU and can make some noise in the transfer portal. And I think LSU is an interesting circumstance when we're talking about KJ specifically because of that familiarity with Matt. I think having that familiarity is already, along with already having a teammate, right, that's also making that same trip. I think that contribution from both sides, both from a player standpoint and from a coaching standpoint, is something that'll work in a really significant way. And especially for Matt McMahon, you talk about his circumstances with all the guys transferring away. The best thing for him is probably to get as many guys who he actively recruits or to get as many guys that he's already had active recruiting quarrels with. Maybe not quarrels. That's not the right word, but active experience with. Right. If you're going to rebuild this LSU program, it might be a smart idea to start with the guys who brought you to the dance, so to speak. Right. So by already making some of these adjustments, talking about Brandon, talking about um talking about a guy like um, KJ, for example. These are guys that I think put him in a really good spot in terms of where they're headed moving forward. It's going to be really interesting. Oh, this is going to be great. We're going to talk about this on the podcast. Something just dropped um, in terms of the recruiting classes stuff, so maybe we'll bring that up a little bit later. But, um, yeah, I think LSU is a really great location for a guy like KJ. I think that all the familiarity is there. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that's already in the works and just has not been announced yet. Yeah, I think that that opportunity for KJ to go to to 
um, LSU is what's on the table right now. But I think he has to be considering these other schools if they've made offers to him already. I think I think somewhere like Michigan State could be interesting. Another program I haven't really touched on is Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech could definitely use his talent as well in the front court. And Jalen, you were you were uh, a fan of Georgia Tech toward the back end of the season last year. So I think this could be another huge win for that program if they're able to get KJ Williams. But moving on to our third players in the transfer portal, Jalen, who's the third player you want to talk about? Yeah, man. So the third guy that I'm going to pick is somebody that's a little bit less, you know, sexy of a pick, I guess, in comparison to the two guys that I picked before. But I think a guy who still is considered very high upper echelon, so to speak, high tier in terms of this specific transfer portal class. That's Tyrese Hunter out of Iowa State. He's a guy who I think is going to be a really intriguing player on the open market because his ability to run the table is something that I think is not as not very duplicable. And I think that when you can get a guy like that in your environment, it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of impact he can have if given maybe a bigger role on a more talented team than Iowa State that was mainly, you know, held up by Isaiah Brockington for most of the year, especially from an offensive standpoint. And so it's even more interesting when you talk about the list that he has narrowed down. He's down to his top six, and he has Tennessee, who might be without Kennedy Chandler, who probably is going to declare for the NBA draft any day now. At least we would assume so. The defending champion Kansas uh, team, which will be staying in the conference. Louisville, Gonzaga, which is always an interesting discussion, Texas staying within the uh, staying within the conference as well, and then Purdue. So I think the interesting thing is that when you look across the board, there is going to be a point guard vacancy in pretty much every single spot that he is planning to go to. I would say maybe except for Texas, maybe. And Devin Askew put his name in the um in the transfer portal. I don't think that was going to do a whole lot either. And uh, Courtney Ramey put his name in the in the transfer portal as well. So you could argue that every single school um in in his top six is going to have a point guard vacancy. Now, where he goes is really interesting. If I had to narrow his top six down to a top three, I would probably go with Kansas, Gonzaga, and the team that's probably um in the news for pursuing him the hardest is probably texas and i think that would be an interesting one as well especially with having chris beard um on his back and having the fact that he would still be a be able to stay within the conference um so yeah i mean your thoughts on thoughts on my guy because i think tyrese hunter is a really interesting prospect both within this class but also as a guy who obviously is looking forward towards NBA aspirations. I think he's just looking for somewhere where he can take the next step in his college career so that he can declare for the NBA draft. I mean, you look at his numbers right now, he was third in steals per game. He was third in assists per game in the Big 12 with Iowa State. Not a great three-point shooter, 27.4% shooting from three last season. Texas is an interesting place, though, because, like you mentioned, Courtney Ramey, Devin Askew, uh, entered the transfer portal. Andrew Jones has yet to make a decision right now. And Marcus Carr is coming back to Texas. So it's interesting to have somebody like Tyrese Hunter within the conference, but going to a school like Texas. So you mentioned uh, Texas and you also mentioned Kansas, Gonzaga, Purdue's on that list as well. Mm-hmm. Louisville is actually on that list as well. So that's, that's I think, a wild card because okay. I think he could definitely he – has, he has that capability of going to Louisville and making a huge impact. But I'm interested to see if he considers Louisville as much as a Gonzaga or a Texas or a Kansas. Mm. So I think that that's definitely going to be something to uh, think about uh, when we're talking about his recruitment and where he goes. Looking at my third player, I want to talk about Kenneth Lofton. Lofton is one of the is widely regarded as one of the top players in the transfer portal 
and for good reason. He's had an incredible season with Louisiana Tech this past year. He averaged a double-double with 16.5 points and 10.5 rebounds. First-team All-Conference USA honors. He is a very productive scorer. He grabs rebounds at a high rate. He's physical on the paint. Lofton has showed that he has the ability to take over games. If you look at his game against NC State, he had an impressive 36-point game where he only shot the ball 19 times. He also grabbed 17 boards in that game. He's actually receiving some interest for some Power 5 schools in Texas, Auburn, and Kentucky. But like I mentioned earlier with K.J. Williams, he's entering his name into the NBA draft, so he's another guy keeping his options open. Yeah, so Kenneth is one of those guys that is beasty, man. He's a guy that's came up on this podcast a couple of times in passing as a guy that we've talked about as an unsung hooper, another guy that we've also seen as just an interesting prospect potentially as well. So this is definitely a guy whose name is going to keep coming up um, especially with his, especially with his name being the transfer portal, because wherever he goes, he is definitely going to be a day one contributor. Overall, just plays with physicality, double double machine. And Ryan, one of the things that I mentioned earlier, kind of in passing, was the idea that there was some news that had dropped that could be really influential in terms of this conversation we're having right now about recruiting classes. Uh, number five overall recruit Gigi Jackson is going to UNC, joining uh, Simeon Wilker over there so that's two five-star prospects along with guys like caleb uh caleb love armando baycott leaky black all deciding to come back to school rj davis also coming back to school that that being said i'm just saying unc is probably off the table in terms of some of these guys that are in that group but i also think that's something interesting that we haven't really discussed too much yet just because a lot of the guys that we're focusing on and are, are probably going to continue focusing on based, based on the list that me and you share with each other off camera are focused in the West area. The ACC is going to be a very interesting player in this, in this transfer portal, right? First season without coach K Miami's getting some buzz, especially with the fact that they just, uh, that they, uh, they just signed one of the bigger uh, recruits in in the country in terms of uh, grabbing uh, Nigel Pack. And then you kind of further look through that, right? Last season, you get three of the three, three of the four teams in the final four or three of the uh, four, three of the eight teams in the elite eight were ACC teams. So that's obviously covering the ACC. All this to say the ACC is going to be a very interesting player in this transfer portal. Of course, we don't have too many guys that are rumored to teams in the ACC, you mentioned um, Antoine earlier, who's obviously got Maryland on his list, but it'll be interesting to see what the ACC does. Yeah, especially considering the year that the ACC had last year, definitely going from one of one of the worst one of the worst <laughs> conferences in college basketball to having three teams in the Elite Eight. But let's talk about the fourth player in our transfer portal, Jalen. Who is your fourth player that you want to talk about? Yeah, so the fourth guy that I've got, I mean, pretty much this is where things kind of die down a little bit for my list in particular. I'm going to go with uh, Trey Mitchell. He's a guy who he played relatively well in the time that he did spend on the floor. I think he had about 17 to 18 starts with Texas. And he's a guy who can stretch the floor. He plays well. He's a guy who kind of just had a lot of issues throughout the season, staying on the floor, injuries, leave of absence, personal issues. There's a lot of stuff going on with that, that Texas team. And that was a team that I was very high on or entering the season. And he was just one of those guys that played, like I said, played well when he was on the floor, but we just didn't get to see enough of him. And the time that he was on the floor with the team, 8.7 points per game, four rebounds in 24 games. Again, like I said, so 24 games played, 17 starts. But we've seen his actual potential. He spent time at UMass, and he was a he was a near 20-point-per-game score, score, averaged just about seven rebounds a game, and was a block machine. And we just didn't see that last year in the time that he was on the floor. So I'm hoping that wherever he decides to go, we get that high-energy Trey Mitchell back. He's one of those guys that's a little bit lower on the list for me, only because I think wherever he goes, it's going to be about his fit and theoretically viewing him as that guy from UMass, not what we saw at Texas. 
Yeah, I think Trey Mitchell is an interesting player because at seven foot one, he could do a lot of different things. He can shoot the ball, he can work inside the paint. He's he's also a pretty good defender. Um, I'm just really interested to see where he will go next as well. Because he again, like you talk about Devin Askew leaving and Courtney Ramey leaving Texas. Trey Mitchell was another highly coveted prospect in the transfer portal last year coming out of UMass. Mm -hmm. And now he put his name in the transfer transfer portal again. I think this is another huge name to enter the transfer portal. That's not getting talked about nearly as much. And I think wherever he goes, he has that opportunity to exceed expectations from his season at Texas. He's had a couple of good games here and there. Um, with Texas, he definitely had the opportunity to start, but now I'm interested to see where he can go. And I don't know if there's any other schools that he's considered. I don't know if that list has, has come out yet. There, there's definitely some schools that will be interested in his talent for sure. Talking about another guy for my fourth transfer portal player, Jalen Llewellyn coming out of Princeton. He was averaging 15.7 points per game this past season. He was eighth in the conference in three-point shooting, shooting 38% or 38.6% from three. And this is coming off the news of uh, his decommitment from Clemson. And I think this would have been a huge win for – a huge recruitment win for Brad Brownell uh, at Clemson because if you look at his career statistics – he finished his career at Princeton ranked tied for 13th in career made three pointers with 136 15th in three in threes made in a season. And you look at last season, he averaged, uh, he shot 64 threes a game. He made 64 threes a game and he's tied 27th in career points at Princeton with 1,064. This is a guy who can score at will. I, I think this is a huge loss for Clemson and it's also interesting because even though he announced his his uh, decommitment from Clemson, he's also at the same time considering Clemson at, as his home for next season. He said in a statement on Twitter, I'm still considering Clemson as my home for next year. But due to recent changes, my family and I have decided to reopen my recruitment in order to reconsider my best options. Llewellyn also told, all Clemson after his commitment that his comfort level with the player and coaches was a huge factor in his decision to commit to the Tigers. Let's talk about that commitment level for a second. It says here in this article um, from all from a fan nation uh, here on sportsillustrated.com outgoing Clemson assistant Antonio Reynolds Dean was the one to initiate contact between Clemson and Jalen Llewellyn. He played with Llewellyn's father at Rhode Island. At the time, Llewellyn said Dean's leaving for Georgia would not alter his plans. However, since Llewellyn's commitment, head coach Brad Brownell has seen another member of his coaching staff, Kareem Richardson, also leave to join Kevin Keats' staff at North Carolina State. First of all, this is huge news. And maybe this was the straw. Maybe this was the final straw for Jalen Llewellyn that, that pretty much made him say, look, I want to decommit. I want to explore my recruiting options. So hearing this news is interesting, but he's also said that he, he can, he wants, he said he's, he's still considering Clemson as his home. So this is another interesting recruiting storyline. Yeah. I would just say my, my last thoughts on Jalen Llewellyn is this, you talk about the commitment level. Well, according to this report that came out yesterday, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 7th, uh, the 27th, excuse me, there's reports that say starting today, Wednesday, the 27th to the 29th, he's going to be spending time in the school we've been mentioning a lot throughout this podcast, Michigan. He's going to be in Ann Arbor for the next two to three days. This is a guy who's ranked in the top 25 of 24-7 sports uh, college basketball transfer portal rankings. He's going to be a heavily coveted guy, and it looks like Michigan is at the top of a lot of the highly coveted guys list. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Do they take all these guys? Do they take some of these guys? Do they pick the one diamond in the rough of the group that they feel like is the missing link? This is going to this is going to be a because of the interest that a lot of these top transfer portal guys 
are are get are gearing towards Michigan as a potential destination, I think that's going to have a heavy influence on guys like Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston on whether or not they return. And I think for better or worse, what those two guys do will either draw potential transfer portal guys or maybe even actually deter them. So oddly enough, despite all of these visits, I actually think that Michigan's ability to sign some of these guys or or a handful of these guys as opposed to as opposed to one or two, I think is going to be on the back of whether or not these two guys choose to come back. If these two guys, the, the ball is in their court, and it's going to be very interesting because we've never seen that kind of player power before. And it's interesting be, with, with the and I, I think with the impact of the transfer portal, this is interesting because when you look at how these great college basketball players are teaming up, it's almost like when players in the NBA try to form super teams. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting, it's an interesting dichotomy, but I think with if Michigan is able to get a lot of these top prospects that we've mentioned earlier and if they're able to have Caleb Houston and Musa, Musa Diabate return, mm. I think Michigan will be a winner, a huge winner in, in this transfer portal because they were able to not only keep some of the players that were considering entering the transfer portal, but they were able to get uh, a lot of the top guys. Um, they were able to get a lot of the top guys out of the transfer portal. Mm. So let's move on to our fifth and final players. Jalen, who is your last player? Um, that you want to talk about in the transfer portal. Last guy I want to bring up is a is a guy that I'm just a personal fan of, Xavier Pinson. He was a guy who was a really interesting player at Missouri. Put his name in the transfer portal last season. Ended up in uh, ended up um at LSU and now is back in the transfer portal. And just an interesting story that came out. Again, we already talked about it earlier. LSU is kind of clearing house inadvertently with a lot of guys leaving after the firing of Will Wade. But an interesting story came out that apparently Kentucky called Xavier Pinson the same day he put his name in the transfer portal. Interesting to just show you how much the, the SEC got the game on lock, man, trying to stay in everybody's ear. And I wouldn't be surprised if Xavier Pinson decided to stay in the SEC, but he's got a couple of other teams on the Ducks as well. Michigan State with Tom Izzo being one of them, Xavier being another one, and of course Arizona State because we got to throw a Big 12 school in it. It's only right uh, that they're somewhere in the mix here or there, right? So those four schools are at the top in terms of teams that have um, actually actively reached out to him. I would not be surprised, especially with the route that Kentucky went this past season, getting a bit older in terms of not just their front court, but across their team. Also, the fact that, if I'm not mistaken, Oscar Sheway is returning um, from what reports are. Having a guy like Xavier Pinson at point guard, who's a little bit more under control, then uh, Wheeler and even Ty Ty Washington were in terms of guys that were contributing on, on that the offensive side of the floor, especially in the half court specifically. Having a guy like Xavier Pinson who can kind of control the pace of the play and, and feed a guy, really feed a guy like Oscar, would be an interesting fit. But we'll see if things open up a little bit further. He is a kind of grit and grind type, type of guy, so I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in the mix with Michigan State, which is an interesting fit for a guy like that. Xavier Pinson is just a really smooth guard, man. Doesn't doesn't score the basketball crazy, but he 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 can put up points when need be. He's definitely a clutch bucket. He has a high assist rate, nearly five assists per game last season, and he, he's just a really good guard, man. Just a really solid guard. So I think he's going to be an interesting guy on um on the open market. Yeah, Pinson was battling a knee injury last year at LSU. It definitely limited his time on the floor, but I think he's a great floor general. And if he can work with Oscar Sheepway, if, if he does commit to Kentucky, I think his pairing with Oscar Sheepway could be a great one-two punch in the SEC. And moving on to my final guy in this episode, I want to talk about A.J. Green. A.J. Green is one of the top players in the Missouri Valley Conference in the last four years at Northern Iowa. Averaged 18 points a game in his four years, 41% shooting from the field, 38% from three. He's a per, he's he has been a prolific scorer in the MVC. And AJ Green is one of the only players to win the Larry Bird Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year twice. And he's the first Northern Iowa player to do it twice. 
And he's capable of having big games with his back-to-back 30-point games against St. Bonaventure and Bradley earlier in the season. He's also receiving some attention from Iowa State, where his father is currently the assistant coach. And A.J. Green has also entered his name into the NBA draft. So I think it's going, I think it's going to be interesting to see what path he takes next. Yeah, I think that dichotomy between putting his name in the transfer portal and the NBA draft puts him in a really good position where no matter what, he is going to be able to make some kind of significant upgrade from Northern Iowa. I think something that's interesting, we talked about Tyrese Hunter leaving Iowa State. Well, actually, Iowa State is at the top of his list in terms of teams that he's considering, considering his father actually is an assistant coach at Iowa State. So that, that family dynamic coming all the way back full circle, Ryan, from the beginning of the episode, talking about how family has somewhat of an influence on the choices. Well, in this case, here goes another family member in the coaching ranks who, as opposed to a player leaving, this is a player who is actually feeling a little bit more comfortable about joining a team for this specific reason. So I think that's an interesting thing to factor in, especially with that vacancy from Tyrese Hunter. You'll have a guy like you have a guy like AJ who can just step in at the guard spot and one of the most prolific scorers in the country easily. So he's going to be a guy who I think is going to give a different flavor to Iowa state moving from a point guard who was dominantly a floor, a floor general and facilitator to a guy who can put up buckets in a hurry. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, who is another player in the transfer portal that is one of the best players available in the transfer portal. And where do you think that player could go? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.